The following podcast will contain spoilers along with unfettered feelings of nostalgia. Proceed at your own risk. folks feed the ox and kick some rocks it's time for event or else the podcast where i go through most every major marvel and dc event one issue at a time so you don't have to i'm your host my name is steven and i'm back once again paddling down that winding river that is marvel superheroes secret wars this week we're looking at issue number six and it's entitled a little death This issue was published by Marvel Comics in October of 1984, and it was written by Jim Shooter with pencils by Mike Zeck, inks by John Beatty, letters by Joe Rosen, and colors by Christy Scheel. The issue opens with the Wasp. She's trying her best to pilot that land skimmer she'd stolen from Magneto's lair way back in issue number four. Unfortunately, This particular land skimmer was made for people with more than two arms. She tries as best as she can with just her two arms, but winds up failing and crashing violently, flipping and slamming top first into the side of a large rock formation. However, despite the lack of seatbelts, Janet survives with nary a scratch. In fact, she breaks a nail. That's it. Then, after accidentally bumping into a switch... A holographic map appears, highlighting a dome of some sort that draws both her attention and curiosity. Deciding that the land skimmer, which Janet refers to as a car, is making it up to her for crashing by showing her where she needs to go, Janet shrinks down to wasp size and flies away. She sets off, marveling at how drastic the landscape can change on this patchwork planet. Hours later, she's flying through a swamp, blasting bugs that look like Muppets until she eventually comes across the dome from the map. She changes back to regular size and commences to chillin'. She's talking to herself a lot, which I assume is a way to keep her from freaking out too much, when suddenly something that had been lurking about tosses a boulder at her. It misses, splashing next to her into the swamp as her attacker reveals himself. It's the lizard, and he's all kinds of angry. Meanwhile, several million miles from the surface of the patchwork planet looms an impossibly huge construct, the homeworld of Galactus. So Doom's inside and he is making himself at home and just messing about with all of Galactus's stuff. He's playing around with one of the machines, twisting knobs, pushing buttons, and flicking switches until the machine gathers up this strange vibratory energy that his armor's sensors had detected within the walls of the world ship. Turns out, it was Claw. Well, who's Claw? Well, after consulting with Wikipedia, the short answer is that Claw is a fictional character, a supervillain appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. The character is depicted as a human physicist who has been transformed into solid sound and who wears a sonic emitter on his right wrist as a prosthetic device. He has often been shown in conflict with the Fantastic Four and the Avengers, and he is an enemy of the Black Panther and Kazar. So now we know who Claw is. What the flip is he doing on Galactus's world ship? Well, apparently, as the book tells us, sometime back, Claw attacked the Dazzler, the mutant pop singer 
who absorbs sound and transfers it into light. Claw, who's made of solidified sound, had no clue what she could do when he attacked her, so she absorbed him. Then Galactus came to Earth, grabbed her up, and took her up to his ship. She fired her light energy at him, which was made up of Claw, and he was absorbed into the ship's walls. And that's how he wound up in the book. It's also how his mind got all twisted up and why he's acting more than a bit loony. Doom, after hearing his story, decides that Claw is of no use to him and so walks away. Claw follows him like a puppy, asking Doom what he's looking for. Doom's there looking for knowledge, power, anything that he can find that might help him conquer Galactus and maybe even the Beyonder. Claw tells him that it won't be long before Galactus detects Doom on his ship. Doom knows this, however. I mean, he ain't stupid. In fact, he pulls up a video feed on a giant monitor showing Galactus as he's currently putting together his world-draining device. Once Galactus's mind is no longer occupied with the device, he's going to notice the intruder. So Doom needs an idea, some way to delay Galactus and thus distract him. Doom flips through the channels, tuning into both Captain America's heroes, doing their thing back in the alien village, and the X-Men with Magneto, trying to put Magneto's fortress back together. It's also here we notice a glaring mistake. Yeah, that's Colossus helping the X-Men, which is quite the feat, considering that they left him injured back with Cap and the others in issue number five. Doom keeps flipping through the channels until he finds what he needs, an active volcano. He forms a plan, but he needs to send instructions to his lackeys. Now he has a reason to use Claw. And so Doom beams Claw down to the villains with a message. But first, he has to prove to them that Claw was sent by Doom. He does so by repeating a code phrase to Ultron, which makes Ultron protect him. I am Ultron, he says. I enforce Doom's will. This one has uttered Doom's code words. The orders are genuine. They will be obeyed. Which, really, now that I think about it, is rather silly. I mean, Claw spoke the code words out loud. Everybody heard him. Ultron then verified that they are Doom's code words. So what's to stop the rest of the villains from repeating the words? Other than, of course, stupidity. Instead, Titania, ever the hothead, doesn't want to listen to nothing. She just wants to beat somebody up, be that Claw or Ultron. Volcana, however, reminds her friend that Ultron has already killed Kang for Doom and that they should just do as he says. Start talking, Claw. In the meantime, Galactus is working on his machine when he stops and directs his gaze upward at his world ship. He stands there staring as if listening to something. Just then, many hundreds of miles away, Janet shows her medal by not acting like the typical costume hero who would normally throw down when someone like the lizard throws a boulder at them. Instead, she takes a different tact and treats him like a pet who has disobeyed his master. Come here, she yells at him. Come over here. She assures him that she won't hurt him, and we learn that the lizard was just defending the swamp, which he has taken for his home. She sees that he's hurt and brings him in close to care for his wound. He calls out in pain as she inspects his arm, and she tells him to hush, which he actually does. I, for one, rather enjoyed this bit of story. It's almost a Beauty and the Beast 
type of thing we got going on here, except without all that romantic stuff. Janet, rather than attacking the lizard, shows that she cares about his well-being and thus wins his trust and his loyalty. We then move on to Magneto's fortress, where the X-Men, without Colossus, are trying to repair the damage done by Galactus in the previous issue. We also learn how the X-Men survived when Galactus blew them up with a mental blast. Turns out Magneto had shielded everyone inside bubbles of magnetic force, proving that maybe he ain't such a bad guy to have around. Professor X goes off alone to chill in his chambers. He's exhausted, what with not being used to being on his feet so much. And as he's resting, he decides to check things out telepathically and reaches out to spy on the villains. He doesn't get much more than orders from doom involving a volcano before the Enchantress, sensing his telepathic presence, pushes him away. He calls out to the X-Men with his mind, telling them of Doom's plan to dispatch the villains to the volcano. He commands Cyclops to lead a force made up of Rogue and Wolverine and go out to the volcano to see what's going on and possibly stop the villains. Storm is none too happy about this and confronts the Professor. She reminds him that she is the leader of the X-Men, not Cyclops, and certainly not the Professor. He tells her in no uncertain terms that he is giving the orders now, and she will obey, period. Meanwhile, in the tiny alien village where the forces under Captain America's command have taken refuge, Colossus is resting, recovering from his wounds, and watching as Captain America and the others help the villagers following their battle in the previous issue, and he laments the lack of trust between these heroes and the X-Men, wondering why there must be two separate camps if both teams are fighting for the same cause. Then, as seems to be typical with the young mutant, his mind turns to his girlfriend, Kitty Pride, who is back on Earth. But suddenly, as he tries to picture her face, it shifts and changes to the alien healer, Zashi. And then as he tries to banish her face from his mind, she's there for another round of healing. As she lays her hands on him and the healing begins, he can't help himself and tells her that she is the most beautiful, most wonderful woman he's ever met. Of course, she's an alien, and she can't understand a word he's saying. When the healing is done, he watches her leave. Once outside, Johnny Storm, the guy Jim Shooter seems to want everybody to hate, swoops in, lifts Zashi from the ground, and takes her flying as he sings the chorus from Michael Jackson's Thriller. He takes her high up into the sky, kisses her, then free falls, torching it up at the last moment to place her gently on the ground. Then, as the two walk off together, he suggests that they sneak off and go necking at the waterfall. She responds in her alien language, and he says, I'll assume that means, baby, I'm yours. I tell you, I don't know about you, but the way Johnny is depicted in this series always seems to pull from me this disgusted sigh of such magnitude that birds could perch on it for an hour or two. Nearby, Captain America, She-Hulk, Thor, Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, and the Hulk gather while Cap goes over plans to take out Galactus. She-Hulk, however, wants to know what they plan to do about the Wasp. Cap says that Colossus told them that she left Magneto's lair. Cap assumes she's okay and that she's searching for him now. Captain Marvel has done some faster-than-light searches for her and has turned up nothing. So really, 
there isn't much more that they can do. She-Hulk, in the meantime, wants to go break Magneto's head for kidnapping the Wasp in the first place, and the Hulk takes her side. After all, he's tired of sitting and waiting. Not far away, Spider-Man has a visit with Hawkeye as he's making himself some new arrows, which he's going to need since Mr. Fantastic used all of his trick arrowheads to get them out from underneath the mountain. Spider-Man tells him that he understands. After all, Mr. Fantastic used his web shooters too. Hawkeye reminds him, however, that even without his web shooters, he's still Spider-Man. But Hawkeye without his arrows? Well, that just makes him a guy in a funny suit. Further on, down by the pool, Captain Marvel is soaking her feet when Iron Man swoops in and says, What's happening, babe? I'll make you a deal, she responds. You call me Captain Marvel instead of babe, and I'll call you Iron Man instead of Bozo. He tries to apologize, but she's in no mood and flies away. As Iron Man tries to figure out what's wrong with Captain Marvel, because of course, there's always something wrong with the woman who doesn't want to be hit on by some random dude, he's suddenly assaulted by a headache, something that's been bothering him a lot lately. But he realizes he has work to do and decides to forget his head and Captain Marvel, whom he calls the Squeeze. Ah, Jim, you suck. Meanwhile, a team of villains made up of Dr. Octopus, Titania, the Absorbing Man, and the Molecule Man arrive at the volcano. Before they can do what they came for, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Rogue arrives. And then, of course, a fight ensues. Rogue finds herself conflicted once again, questioning why she's working with the X-Men, because it seems like working with them is going to get her killed. The fight, however, quickly comes to an end when Wolverine wounds the Molecule Man. He was trying to kill the villain, but Cyclops blasted Wolverine away, turning the killing blow into one that came a bit too close. The villains retreat, knowing that the Molecule Man is going to need medical attention soon, or he might just die. Wolverine and Cyclops, they have words about the incident. Cyclops tells him, of course, that the X-Men don't kill. Once they do, they become the enemy. Wolverine is not too happy about that. Then, before they leave, Cyclops figures out that the villains were trying to cause the volcano to erupt, which would change the planet just enough that it would delay Galactus. And so, Cyclops blasts the mantle in the volcano, doing what the villains could not. Meanwhile, back at the swamp, the wasp has tended to the lizard's wound, and the two are quickly becoming friends, when she is suddenly blasted through the chest by a laser. The wrecker and his wrecking crew have arrived, driving some giant alien monster truck. They are there to grab the lizard, who ain't too happy with him for killing his new friend. The lizard attacks, so they hit him with a stasis ray, and then they use the truck's mechanical arms to lift up both the lizard and the wasp, along with the bit of the swamp that had been caught up in the ray. And then they haul him away. Back at the village, Captain America explains to the other heroes that Mr. Fantastic wants one more try at reasoning with Galactus. But the group is not alone. A shadowy figure hiding behind one of the huts spy on them as the issue comes to an end, telling us that the next issue is called Berserker. And with our story told, it's time for the top three things to dwell on. The top three things to dwell on are three moments in the book that I feel need to be given just a bit more thought. They might be funny moments. They might be stupid moments. They could even be moments of serious drama that make me feel a little something in my heart. Regardless, they are moments 
that I think are worth the time to revisit. Thing to dwell on number three, the wasp breaks a nail. In the opening scene, we see the wasp attempt to fly an alien ship, fail, and then crash. Nothing about her predicament appears to concern her more than the fact that she broke a nail, that she doesn't have an emery board with her, and that there's not a manicurist for 37 trillion miles. Now, I'm not sure if this is the wasp dealing with her fear by using humor, or if we're supposed to believe that after what she's been through, she's just a vapid rich girl who is truly upset about breaking a nail. Personally, I want to believe she's just talking herself out of her fear by using humor. But, based on the way she's been written so far, I just don't know. I just don't know. Thing to dwell on number two, Professor X. Bad guy? When the professor chooses Cyclops to lead a mission and Storm lets her displeasure known, the professor tells her that he gives the orders now. When she tells him that she's going to go her own way, he tells her, no, you will not. You and the rest of my X-Men will obey without hesitation. As loath as I am to tamper with others' minds, I will not tolerate insubordination, mutiny, or desertion. Now, I honestly don't remember Charlie acting like this in any of the other comics, not to the level that he's acting here. Again, are we to believe that the stress of the situation has gotten to the man, that he cares for his students so much that he's willing to break his own rules to keep them safe? Or could this just be another case where Jim Shooter doesn't know how to write for one of these characters? I'm going to let you decide, because either way, when I first read this series as a kid, it forever tainted the way I saw Professor X and I've never really liked him much because of it. Thing to dwell on number one, the absorbing man loves Titania. Crusher Creole, also known as the absorbing man, and Mary Skeeter McFerrin, also known as Titania, have a long history together. And it all started here in Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. In fact, I like to think it all started in this particular issue in one particular panel. When the villains go up against the X-Men at the volcano, Titania nails Wolverine with a boulder, prompting the absorbing man to say the following. Nice shot. You remind me of a lady bouncer I used to know. Ornery. Tough. I bet me and you could have us some fun, like me and her used to. What you say, baby? How about a date? Her response? I think you may be tough enough for a real woman. Okay, but I call the shots. Got it? And we were there, folks. From the beginning, when the romance began. And those were the top three things to dwell on. So now we come to that time in the show where I wrap it all up and tell you how I feel about the book in general. A lot seemed to happen in this issue. The two biggest, in my opinion, is the fact that Claw is brought back into the Marvel Universe after having been missing since Dazzler number 9 in 1981. And of course, the Wasps untimely death, which is the reason behind the issue's title, A Little Death, because the wasp is little. Get it? Now, the stuff between the wasp and the lizard, while it's really quite brief, it's actually one of my favorite moments from the series. I've always enjoyed it when heroes and villains bond over shared extreme circumstances, but this is a little more than that because the lizard doesn't always necessarily have to be a bad guy. The way he's written here, he's just scared. His mind is both animal and human, and he's just trying to survive until the wasp comes along and does what most people won't, and that's care for him and help him. Beyond all that, 
The rest of the heroes don't do much, and frankly, I'm already getting sick of emo Colossus. I may have felt for him when I was a kid, but now he's just coming across as an annoying one-note character, and I know it's only going to get worse. Until then, join me back here next time when I will attempt to answer the question, who was that spying on the heroes? That's coming at you next week with issue number seven, which is entitled Berserker. You're not going to want to miss that one. Probably. Event or else is a presentation of the Just Another Fanboy podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Aror and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show where I talk about all the nerdy type things I don't have time to talk about in all my other podcast episodes. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share the podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.